0: And I'd love for, to invite you to grab your notes out of your handout. We're going to continue this series we started a few weeks ago. Last week, we had the privilege and honor of sitting under Pastor Gary Gonzalez teaching, and, and that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I, I I would say that uh, I, I know the time change has uh, messed up many of you, and, and so that's fine. And I just want to make sure that you're gracious, you know, um, when the, the 12 o'clock crowd comes in. Uh, just move over and... Let him, let him sit next to you. As we started this series a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about how important it is not just to think about what our opinions are of God or what, you know, pontificate about our thoughts of God, but it's so helpful to see what God has to say about himself. And so we started this series... Recognizing that when God revealed himself and his nature to Moses at the burning bush, he did so, and and Moses said, who shall I say is sending me? If the Israelites ask, who shall I say is sending me? And God answered, tell them, I am is sending you. This is my name forever. I am is sending you. And we talked about the implications of God's name, and and it's really powerful and beautiful what that self-revelation means for us. And then, about 1,400 years after that experience, when Jesus is on the scene and he's doing his earthly ministry, he says, very purposefully, very thoughtfully, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. And, he, and by saying this, he's actually linking himself up. He's saying the Father and I are one. He actually says that phrase as well just a little bit later. And he's saying I'm, I'm identifying myself with Father God. Um, if you've been around for a long time, it, this is a concept actually called Trinity, where our God is one God but in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and Jesus is talking about that right here. Before Abraham was, I am. And so it's important for us to recognize that our transformation doesn't just happen when we sort of stare at our navel and think about how to improve and that kind of thing. Our transformation happens when we gaze at Jesus and we look at Jesus and we see, oh, what is it that Jesus has to say about himself? The first thing he's saying is, is the Father and I are one, right? I am God. I'm revealing myself to you as God in the flesh. And then we talked about, A metaphor that he used, I am the bread of life. We talked about how he is nourishment for us, not simply, you know, bread that nourishes us for a day, but this idea of nourishment for our souls unto eternity. Last week, Pastor Gary talked about Jesus is the light of the world, and today what we're going to unpack is, again, Jesus' words about being a good shepherd. As we jump into this, I, I wonder if you had this experience when you were in high school. When I was a junior in high school at Mission Viejo High in, in Southern California, my guidance counselor made me take what I assume was a sort of proficiency test. And I had to answer, you know, several you know, hundred questions or something about likes and dislikes and abilities and that kind of thing. And then they were going to put it together in such a way that it would help me find a pathway for my life, right? Some kind of profession that I might flourish in. Just by show of hands, how many of you had to take some similar test to that? It, yeah, so, so several hands up. So, yeah, it, it's one of those deals. Well, I remember the guidance counselor calls me in to go over the results of the test. And she says, congratulations, Mr. Howerton, you are perfectly suited to be a bus driver, and at the time I was like sweet I can do that right like that makes sense to me and and I will confess to you that that I've been in ministry now for 26 years and there have been seasons where I'm like bus driving sounds good right now (laughs) so maybe that'll be my second act or something but I'll just tell you, it's it's one of those things, right, where you you get in and and they say, okay, hey, we've we've, boiled it down, this is a good path for you. You know what I don't think I ever heard any of my buddies say after they came out of that counseling meeting was, you know what, they said that I was perfectly suited to be a shepherd right? Just, it 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 doesn't, like, that's not a part of what people think about. And if somebody said that about you, would you think it's a good thing or not such good? Like, ah, oh, shepherd, really? Jesus, he says it is a good thing. And not only does he say it's a good thing, he says, I am a good shepherd. He, he owns that title, right? That mantle he chooses for himself. Now I want you to know that the Bible actually in many places talks about Jesus as the good shepherd. I put two on the top of your outline, Hebrews 13, 20, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, you might want to circle the great shepherd. And then that next verse on your outline, 1 Peter 5.4, And when the great shepherd, again, you could circle that phrase, the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. These are just beautiful truths, but there are other forms or other places in Scripture that inform us about what Jesus is going to talk about in this passage that we'll look at. In John chapter 10, There is a metaphor that Jesus unpacks for us when he talks about himself as the good shepherd. So let's jump in. We'll start in verse 4. Jesus is speaking. He's speaking about himself. He says, After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And so I want you to think about that for a moment. He's talking about being a good shepherd. He's talking about knowing his sheep and and his sheep know him and they know his voice. Think about how cool that is that we have the ability to, to hear and then to begin to recognize consistently a specific voice. See, this is that quality that allows for an athlete to be able to, even in the midst of a crowded stadium, to be able to listen to his coach's voice and to hone in on what the coach is saying. Or maybe you're a parent, and this is the ability you have that even though you're at a crowded playground, you can hear the cry of your son and daughter. You can pick out their voice in a crowd. Or if you've ever been to maybe a crowded dog park and and yet you call your dog and your dog comes bounding over to you. Why? Because they recognize your unique voice. And this is the picture that Jesus has given us. My sheep, he says, know my voice. Right? They respond to me. They, They follow me. And in fact, this was really common shepherding practice in the first century, the idea of a, a shepherd going ahead of the flock of sheep and leading them by calling to them with his voice. He, he would just call to them or you know, kind of a, a sing-song way or just lead ahead of them, but he would use his voice as a way to direct the sheep. I've been over in the Holy Land about three different times, not about three, actually three times, and uh, every time I've been there, as we've been doing different things and going different places, we've encountered shepherds, and it's amazing to me that even though this was common practice in the first century, it's amazing to me to see it's still practiced today. This is exactly how the shepherds in Israel tend their flocks. They, they go ahead of them, and they just kind of calmly lead them. They gently lead them. They're using their, their calm tones and their voice, but the sheep will just follow after the shepherd, not in a straight line. Sheep don't do straight lines, but, but they will just kind of gather around the shepherd and, and just sort of you know like a, a, an amoeba, just kind of follow along wherever the shepherd goes. One of the times I was in Israel, we were in a, a group and we were driving and the, the guide that we had was telling us that this is the practice. This is how shepherds do it today. They use their voice. They, they, they speak calmly, but the sheep know the voice and follow after the shepherd. He was just describing all of this as we were coming up over a hill down into the outskirts of a town and we happened to see a flock of sheep and a guy who was, who was leading the sheep or, or getting them to move Except for this guy was behind the herd of sheep and he had a long switch and he was just smacking the sheep on the rear and and getting them to move. And and one of the guys in our group said, looks like this shepherd likes to beat his sheep. And the guy turns and he says, oh, no, actually, that's not the shepherd. That's the town butcher. (laughs) And it's very, very interesting, is it not, that because the man's a butcher, these sheep were mutton to him. Right? They, they, were, they were simply food, so why not beat the sheep? Right? They're just a commodity. The shepherd doesn't view it that way. And so there's a different kind of a way that a shepherd leads sheep. A shepherd cares for sheep and loves sheep, knows the sheep. And so there's this quiet, there's this calm, gentle leading. And friends, don't you see this is what Jesus is saying about you and me and his leadership for us. Yeah, He doesn't scream at us. He doesn't beat us. He doesn't berate us, but just gently and lovingly. He, he calls to us. He invites us to come with him. He invites us to be with him. This is our good shepherd, and he leads us with his voice. Now, Jesus goes on, and he, in verse 6 it says, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved though they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Okay. Here's the fill in if you if you're taking notes. The good shepherd becomes the door for his sheep. Good shepherd becomes the door for his sheep. And as you're looking at that chapter, you might have been tempted, the way that I was tempted, to think that Jesus starts the chapter by talking about one metaphor, the metaphor of being a good shepherd, and then in verse 6, he switches metaphors, and now he's talking about another metaphor, the metaphor of a gate, or the metaphor of being a door. But what is interesting, and again, I'm going to go back to one of my visits in Israel. I had the chance of spending some time in Bethlehem. And by cruising around Bethlehem, and again, being, being led and guided in, in a couple of different, really unique and beautiful ways, one of the things you realize about Bethlehem is that there are caves everywhere. There, literally, it's just pockmarked with caves all over the place. And that's why most scholars today believe that when Mary and Joseph couldn't find any room in the inn, and they were sent out into a stable to spend the night, and that's where Jesus was born, that it was most likely a cave-like structure because they're simply everywhere. And often they're used to house animals. And so that that would have made sense. And when I was over there, our guide took us into the shepherd's field. And it's a place where even today they still pasture sheep. And and they showed me this little cave. I mean, it, it was this, you know, kind of a round cave. It wasn't especially deep or high, but it was just like a singular room. The floor was all smooth. Right. Everything had been worn smooth because of uh, it had been used so often by animals and, and sheep, you know, kind of packed in there, laying down together. And there was a little bitty doorway and a little stairs leading in. I mean, the whole thing, it was just like sheep size. It was just it was adorable. little hobbit hole kind of a thing. <laughs> and then the guide pointed something out right at the entrance to where this cave was. It was a very smooth, shallow place right in front of the door and it looked like a shallow tub almost and the guide said do you see how smooth this area is right in front of the entrance he said the reason why it's so smooth is because what the shepherd will do at night is he'll he'll call the flock in and he'll pull all the sheep inside this little cave and then he'll lay right in front of the door and the reason why he does this is because then over the course of the evening, if a coyote, you know, coyotes come, wolves come, if, you know, uh, thieves come, they can't get to the sheep unless they wake the shepherd. And, and so then he'll wake up, you know, in the morning, and then he'll call to his sheep, and they'll come out, and they'll go into the pastures. And, and when Jesus says this, to the the first century, when he gives this teaching, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the gate, the door, they're thinking, not that this is a new metaphor, they're thinking immediately, oh yes, of course you are, because that's what shepherds do. Shepherds lay down in front of the door to keep the sheep safe inside. They they get up in front of the door, and they help the sheep go out and find pasture. That, that, That would have been common knowledge in the first century. It's not common knowledge today. By the way, did anyone just get an aha moment like, just me? No. I'll ask you next week when you've had enough sleep. Uh, then maybe you'll, you'll be with me here. No, for me, it just blew my mind to recognize that, oh, I, I, I get it. The shepherd is the gate for the sheep. That, that this is what's beautiful. Jesus says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. What does that mean, in and out? It means this. We will come in through him, and that's how we'll be saved, right? Salvation through what Jesus offers us. And then we'll go out through him into a life of abundance, We come in through him to be rested and to receive that respite care for our souls. And then we go out through him being a blessing to all those that we encounter. This is a beautiful invitation that Jesus, our good shepherd, invites us into. Jesus, our shepherd, who is the door for the sheep. And then he goes on, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. If you're filling in the blanks, that's the, the truth here. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's willing to sacrifice himself for the sheep and, and, and his well-being. He's, he's willing to put himself on the line for his sheep. And this is as opposed to the hirelings. See, often what would happen is somebody, if, if they owned land and they owned herds and flocks, then they would hire somebody to take care of their flock of sheep. And, and, and I'm assuming this is probably still true today. Here's the problem with somebody that is hired, Jesus says, they don't care about the sheep. What do the hirelings care about? Their money, right? They they just care about their hourly wage or their daily wage. That's all they care about. They don't care about the sheep or the well-being of the sheep. It, it, you know, it's, it's really loosely connected. They don't want to lose them. They just they would just want to get paid. That's all. And so, if a wolf shows up, a bear shows up, a lion shows up, even if thieves show up, the hirelings thinking to themselves, "Hey, I'm not getting paid all that much." I don't care about the sheep enough to fight this bear or to to, to run down these thieves. Uh, I'm just going to bail and keep myself safe. I don't care about the sheep. I care about me. Now, the shepherd, Jesus says, is different. And I want you to think for a second about what you might know of King David. Before he was King David, he was Shepherd David. And Shepherd David was in charge of taking care of his father's sheep. And when there was a predator that was coming toward the sheep, when there was a, you know, a lion or a bear that attacked the sheep, what did David do? Yeah, he, he just went after that threat with all that he had, with whatever was available. What, you know, If he had a sling and a stone, that's what he'd go after with. If it was just his bare hands, that's what he'd go after. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. And he cares about the well-being of, of the sheep, and, and that's sort of the difference then between a shepherd and somebody who's a hired hand, is, is a good shepherd, is willing to lay down their life, to put, to put their body on the line, right, to, to give everything they can for the well-being of the sheep. You know, Jesus taught this, and then what do we celebrate in just a couple of weeks at Good Friday? He lived it, right? The crucifixion. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. He he allowed himself to be stretched out on a cross, have nails driven through his hands and his feet, the crown of thorns thrust down upon his head, that, that he suffered in this shameful agony in this public display that was just grotesque. And he he did all of that. Why? For the sheep, for the salvation of the sheep. Jesus is the one who said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, let's go on to verse 14 here. Jesus continues. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. You know, to me, this verse is very fascinating because he's talking about how he knows his sheep and and the uh, the the metaphor the analogy rather he uses for how he knows his sheep is as the father knows me he says how does the father know Jesus he knows everything about him right they have eternally coexisted in a relationship of love since before the foundation of time the father and the son know each other intimately they know everything about each other they love one another they eternally coexist in this relationship of love and Jesus says just like that that's how much I know you that's the relationship I have with my sheep I mean this just blows my mind And then he goes on and and just kind of unpacks this a little bit more. He says in verse 16, I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. One flock with one shepherd. Now, as you look at this passage, here's what you might want to make a note of. This is as direct a biblical reference to you and to me as there is. This is as as direct of a reference to us today as there is. You know, what what had happened in the first century, what had happened with the religious community and the Pharisees that Jesus interacted with, is that Judaism had become almost entirely ethnocentric. It had become uh, locked into one place and one people group. And and the Pharisees and the teachers, the religious leaders, they had forgotten that the original promise that came from God to Abraham was that Abraham would be blessed, but that through him, all of the world would be blessed. Do you guys remember this? That every family on earth would be blessed through Abraham's obedience. That God would pour a blessing out on Father Abraham and it would spill over into every tongue, every tribe, every nation, through all ages, unto eternity. Amen. That there's this beautiful, profound, everyone's included in this blessing. But the Pharisees had forgotten that in the first century. It had become very locked into their people and their place. They even forgot about Jonah. Do you remember when, when God called Jonah, and he sent Jonah to the Ninevites, this other people, this other tribe, this other country, and they, he was supposed to go and proclaim God to them, and, and he didn't want to, because he also was locked into that ethnocentric view, that small, narrow, tribal view, and so he tried to run from God, and do you remember God said, no, you're going to obey me in this, right? You can obey me. I'm going to send you there myself through the esophagus of a fish. And so he gets there and he does it. And and the Ninevites are now, uh, you know, they repent. And there's, there's this reality that God's call isn't only for one tribe. It's not only for one people. His love is not limited to any geographic scope. But it's for all people, all places, and by the way, throughout all ages. So I believe that when Jesus is talking about, I got these sheep and these other pens and these other sheepfolds, he's talking about in these other countries, he's talking about in these other generations, in these other continents, he's talking about in these other millennium, he's talking about you and he's talking about me. Can I get an amen? Are you guys with me in this today? Yeah, this is a beautiful, beautiful truth. And I love how it ends. One flock, one shepherd. One flock, one shepherd. By the way, you'll notice in your handout, we're inviting you to a thing called Continuing the Conversation, Beloved Community, and I would love for you to maybe consider joining us this Wednesday as we we go through this process. Uh, One of our elders, James Whitfield and myself, uh, uh, Pastors Pat and Josh, are joining together to, to try to build this thing called Beloved Community because it, it, honestly, this it almost is like a self-evident truth that I'm, I'm saying right now. It seems today like our culture is so divided. Yeah. It is. It is so just rife with division and. It's almost like we're, we're all terrified to find out that somebody believes something slightly different than we do or somebody holds a position slightly different than ours. And, and as soon as we find out that somebody has just a differing opinion on this, just, then instantly we demonize that person or we're demonized. And, and it's just this divisive kind of a place that we live today. That's not what Jesus had in mind. What did he have in mind? One flock, one shepherd. That's what he has in mind. And so I really do want to invite you to come and join us in this. It's, it's not at all about changing somebody's perspective on politics or changing someone's mind on something, but it's entirely about changing our hearts. How do we interact with people with whom we disagree? How do we uh, honor them and dignify them and, and listen to them in a way that, that is not building divisiveness, but rather providing the space for unity? So I'd love to have you come and join us in that. Uh, That's on Wednesday night. What I want you to see in all of this is Jesus is talking about one flock, one shepherd. He has you and me in mind, right? That we are all a part of this global, this historic reality of God's love that that wraps in all of these different people groups and ethnicities and, and throughout all generations. Amen. Okay. Now, there's one last implication from this passage that we haven't kind of overly drawn out. So I want to make this super clear. I don't think it'll blow any of you away. But whenever you look at Jesus and you hear Jesus talk about his identity, there's always a a reflective part for you and for me. In other words, if Jesus is the good shepherd, that means we are the... Yeah, sheep, sheep. It wasn't a trick question. You guys did good. That's great. We're the sheep. So you can go ahead and fill that in. We are sheep who need the good shepherd. And again, the Bible speaks to this in many places, so this is not brand new that Jesus brings this out. Psalm 95.7 says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. You know, when I really kind of am confronted with this reality that I'm a sheep, I always respond like, why sheep why not like a cheetah or uh you know a peregrine falcon or even a liger right like something with a little pizzazz and you know this maybe strength or maybe majesty or some beauty or you know I, i i why why sheep and and then you sort of kind of get into it and you realize oh there's probably some really good reasons why we identified as sheep, right? And and the first is probably because, you know, sheep aren't the smartest mammals in the barnyard, right? <laughs> they're just not. They're they're a few fries short of a happy meal. You know this. Their their intellect is on a par with garden tools. You know, like like it, it, there's just some there's just some tough realities here. In, in all seriousness, and you might already know this, but. But if you put sheep in, a, in an enclosed pen and you just leave them to graze and you, you don't do anything with them, they'll graze all the grass, they'll graze all the vegetation, and then they'll continue to graze and just consume each other's excrement. It's just horrible. They, just, they don't know when to stop, right? They don't have this discernment. Or if you take them in a place where there's just super bountiful grazing and you just let them graze, just here, to have, have at it, you know, they will continue to eat and continue to eat until their insides burst. Just no sense of, oh, you know, I've had enough, I can stop. and um, I, just, I just was saying, that's my dog, actually. I don't know, it just hit me, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's my dog. That's why I don't just leave the bag out for my dog. My dog's like, oh, not, I'm good, you know. <laughs> Never happened. I heard a story. this Out of 2013, one of the news stories that came out of Turkey, was that there was a sheep accident and what happened was uh, that that this massive flock of sheep um, one sheep went over the edge of a cliff and then the rest just followed like lemmings and and what happened was 400 sheep died as they fell down this cliff and were smashed on the rocks and then they provided a fluffy bed for the next 1,100 sheep that fell. And so all total, 1,500 sheep fell down this ravine. The shepherds, by the way, they had left the sheep to go have breakfast at a nearby town. So while they were breakfasting, there was a, you know, a bad accident. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so- Let's close in prayer, guys. (laughs) The point of this little excursion into the mind of a sheep is this, that you could honestly and, and actually kindly say that sheep are an easily confused group. And now all of a sudden you realize, oh, that actually does seem like it lands pretty close to home. Right, and, and, and you go okay, maybe not you. Like you might be the one, you know, brilliant sheep. But think about it, humans as a culture, right? And you think about the ex- the, the kinds of experiences that we sent, we tend to do in mass. That's why there's a thing called sociology. That we end up moving like flocks. Even this expression, I think I was talking to my buddy Andrew and Michelle not too long ago, we're talking about Forrest Gump. You remember that scene in Forrest Gump where he's running across the country and then people just join him and they just run with him? They don't have any idea why they're running with Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump doesn't have any idea why he's running. Right, but they just they just follow along. You think about all the, like the, the crazy trends and the fads that happen in our culture. You think fidget spinners, right? Do you remember those fidget spinners? If you have no, N- maybe you're just you don't have kids that fidget with the spinner. I, I don't know. Tide Pod Challenge. I mean, ah, oh, oh. people who wear socks with Crocs. Like you recognize that, oh yeah that we we are a mess, right we need a shepherd we we need a good shepherd and 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 that's true that like that that is absolutely true and and Jesus is our good shepherd he provides us wisdom he provides us guidance just with us he he will help lead us and and if we're Attentive to his voice, if we learn how to discern his voice, then we'll understand how he wants to lead us into life. See, Ephesians 4, 14 says this, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Why? Because we have a shepherd. And we allow ourselves to listen to the voice of the shepherd. We allow ourselves to be led by our good shepherd. And the next reality about sheep is, is not just that they're easily confused, but it, they're prone to wander. They're prone to wander, right? The, the sheep are, they're always the ones that are kind of getting away from the, the flock and getting out, you know, getting their head caught in the stairwell banister or something like that. They just, they just kind of move away from where safety and provision is and. There's that old hymn, you might know it. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I fear it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. And it's true. Even when he has brought us into green pastures beside still waters, even when he provides us abundance, when he provides us blessing, when he provides us relationship and, and his goodness pours out over us, we are prone to wander. It's as if we think we know more than the shepherd. It's as if we think, oh, we know the way through the wilderness. You, you don't know. We do, and, and we wander. And it's in the midst of that reality that Jesus once again tells a story in Luke 15 about a shepherd who realizes that one of his sheep has wandered off. And so what does he do? He makes sure the 99 are all together here, and then he goes and he hunts. And he'll climb a mountain and he'll go through a bog and he'll go through a forest and and he'll search high and low and he'll search day and night. And when he finally finds that sheep, puts it over his shoulders and he carries it back and he throws a party. This is our good shepherd. So, yeah, we're prone to wander, but that's why Jesus comes as a good shepherd. Because as we wander, he pursues And we don't deserve his pursuit, but we can receive his pursuit. We can allow ourselves to be caught up in him and be brought back to the fold. And the last thing about sheep is that sheep are utterly, or naturally rather, defenseless. They just don't have a defense mechanism. You know, it it is kind of interesting if you think about different domesticated animals. If you release those domesticated animals into the wild, they have a fighting chance. I read an article once that talked about if humans were to disappear tomorrow that on Tuesday next wild packs of dogs would roam the earth right they would just flourish instantly uh, having cast off their human masters that's a weird thought to have I know <laughs> but they they do just fine not the small ones but the you know middle ones they do just fine sheep if if you release sheep into nature You have provided nature a snack, right? They don't have anything. They they can't run. They can't swim. They can't climb. They can't bark. They can't even hiss, right? That's the state of things. And and when you think about us without the work of our good shepherd, when you think about just on our own strength, against the powers and the principalities of this age, we need a shepherd. We need him not just for guidance, not just for provision. We need him for protection and courage. We need his presence in our life so that we have a good defense against the spiritual attacks that come. This is the reality. And and so I I, I know that we don't want to be the sheep, but we are. And yet, in the midst of this reality, Jesus comes to us as a good shepherd. We're confused, we're blown about by the wind, tossed back and forth by the waves, and Jesus, Jesus is there as our good shepherd to guide us. We wander from the love and the grace and the provision of the Lord, thinking we know a better way. And Jesus comes with his presence, and he finds us, and he brings us back to himself. We're defenseless against the powers and the principalities of this age without a good shepherd. And in the midst of this reality, Jesus comes to us, offering himself as a good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life so his sheep can live in victory, so his sheep can live in abundance, so his sheep can live for eternity. And so even though I know we don't want to be sheep, I think maybe a good and humble place for us to be is to declare that we are and that we need a good shepherd. We need Jesus to be a good shepherd. So right now, um, what I want you to do, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to think about your life for a moment. Where is it that you need his shepherding the most? Where do you need Jesus to meet you and to shepherd you? Is it through guidance, discernment, listening to his voice and following? Is it in provision that you need the good shepherd to lead you into a pasture that's rife with, with you know, grass? Or maybe it's protection. You just need him to protect your heart today. You need to know that he has you. That he's holding you. He's got your back. See, I don't know where it is that you need his shepherding the most, but I think it's a very healthy, humble place for us to be to declare that we need him to be our shepherd. So right now, I'd like for you to stand up with me, and we're going we're to read one verse of Scripture together. This is from Psalm 23. It's the first verse of Psalm 23. And I'd love for us to read this together, and this is kind of a declaration that we're declaring that we're sheep and that we need our shepherd, and then we'll go into prayer, and then we'll just praise him, okay? So the the scripture should be on the screen. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Let's pray. Jesus, we recognize that you're our shepherd, and when we think about what motivates you, we know that what motivates you, and this is all through scripture, it's your love for us. Your amazing love, your boundless love, your love without limits, your love which in so many ways we recognize that we don't deserve, and yet you pour it out on us again and again and again. It's what motivates all of your pursuit of us, and we are so thankful for that. But together, Lord Jesus, you have been present with us, and you have seen that your church, we confess that we are your sheep that we need you as our shepherd. As we've thought about where it is that we need you most, Lord Jesus, I know you know each heart. You see each one of us, you know everything about our lives. And so right now, my prayer is that you would meet us in our deep need. Meet us, good shepherd, where we need your guidance the most, where we need your provision the most, where we need your protection the most. We love you, Jesus. We are thankful to be under your watchful care today. We pray this in your name. Amen.